Welcome to the Breathe Mama podcast. I'm Christine and I'm your host. I'm a woman, a wife, a mama. I'm also an entrepreneur, an Enneagram 8, and a soul care coach. Our breath is foundational to every part of our well-being. This podcast will offer insights, stories, and truth-telling that I hope feels just like a big belly breath of air for your soul. We will embark on the worthy pursuit of purpose and presence in the little pauses. I hope to encourage and guide you to connect with and nurture the deepest parts of who you are so that we can show up as our truest, most healthy selves. And I believe we can do that best as a collective, together. Well, hello. I'm humbled to be back for my second episode. This past week has been filled with lots of encouragement from so many of you, and I just wanted to start off with a big thank you. Thank you for listening, for leaving a review, for sharing with a friend, and for reaching out to me to tell me how episode one impacted you. I'm energized and oh so motivated to continue to write and share practical, helpful content for you. I'm super grateful for this space and for the privilege of serving you. So today is Wednesday, October 21st, and it was a gorgeous fall day here in Chicago. There are these three trees right outside of our kitchen that are the most beautiful shade of golden orange right now, and the slight chill of the air outside the windows is almost visible, and it seems striped with sunshine. It is now raining, and I can hear the raindrops on the roof like a gentle auditory reminder that I'm alive, one that grounds me in the present moment, so I'm excited to get started. This leads me to a little something I wanted to invite you to do with me. Let's take a few deep breaths together. If you're able, I encourage you to close your eyes and allow yourself to do nothing else but breathe for just 20 seconds or so. Maybe place your hand on your chest near your heart or on your belly, or simply rest your hands gently in your lap. I want to give us an opportunity to settle into our bodies, to draw ourselves present to right now, making space in our minds and bodies to connect with our breath. Focus on the rise and fall of your chest. Try to linger when your lungs are the most full. One more full round of breath. Okay, before we jump into our topic, quieting anxious thoughts in the face of uncertainty, I wanted to share a little bit more about my story so that we can get to know one another better. To put it mildly, I've been experiencing a heightened level of anxiety for the past 16 months. On June 5th, I was given my cancer diagnosis, which was promptly followed by a positive pregnancy test on June 10th. Then I had a cancer recurrence only five months after my unilateral mastectomy, and I started chemotherapy at 30 weeks pregnant. I gave birth at 38 weeks, only five days after a positive flu test that thwarted my plan to complete my first regimen of chemotherapy before my baby arrived. I had an infusion only three days after giving birth and restarted weekly infusions only five weeks postpartum. In the wake of all of that and all that has happened since then, I believe I've been navigating a combination of postpartum depression and anxiety and OCD. I'm not a professional or an expert on anxiety or perinatal mood disorders, And in many ways, I'm still in the trenches myself with an eight-month-old and only eight weeks out from my active cancer treatment. 
but I do long to talk authentically and with hope about this important topic because I believe it is so, so common and super critical to discuss with candor and care. Last week in episode one, we talked about cultivating ease in our everyday, and at its core, anxiety is a feeling of unease, typically about an imminent event in the future or something with an uncertain outcome. I have a question for you. Have you experienced unease about something with an uncertain outcome in the last seven months? I believe that absolutely every one of us has. And so I hope that this topic of quieting anxious thoughts resonates with you and can offer a few tools to manage anxiety in our everyday, especially right now in the face of much stress and uncertainty. I wanted to share a quote from a book I was working my way through, and I read it actually last night before bed. Here's the quote. When you examine the shoulds of your life, you are consciously choosing to get to know your prison. The expectation from other people's agendas, the belief systems you inhabit but don't truly embrace, and all the things you agreed to without realizing it. Shining a light on your list of shoulds may involve facing some of your deepest fears, and finding support is wise. That's by L. Luna in the book The Crossroads of Should and Must. Our anxious thoughts are almost always focused on the future. We think about what we should do, what we need to do, what we're expected to do. They're often centered on all the things ahead of us instead of the day and the moments right in front of us. And that last part of the final sentence in the quote says, and finding support is wise. Support can come in so many forms, and I've been the recipient of nearly all of the ones someone could hope for in trauma and hardship. But one in particular for me has been my counselor. I've been seeing her almost weekly since the week after I found the lump in my breast. This was January of 2019. I originally reached out to find a new therapist because I was feeling really insecure in my ability to parent. She's a licensed marriage and family counselor, and I liked that she would be equipped to support me in all the ways I might want in the realm of parenting and marriage. I did not know how critical it would be to have an established relationship with someone who was going to walk me through one of the most scary, life-altering events and seasons of my life. So with the wisdom of my counselor, there are currently three primary areas I'm actively welcoming and exploring in my own experience. The first is challenging black and white thinking. It can also be called all or nothing thinking, and it can absolutely play a big role if you're experiencing anxiety. The panic that can rise and grow within us can make us think about a situation as either completely safe or completely unsafe, which is almost never how clear the categories actually are. We live in an ambiguous, complex, and non-linear world, which means that most situations in life are actually somewhere in the gray. For instance, not one of us is an absolute failure or a total success. And thinking in these dichotomous terms and using absolutes is unhelpful and sometimes destructive. For example, I never get it right. Or every time I'm responsible for getting the kids to school, I run late. If we are able to find the both and of most situations, we will have an opportunity to embrace the tension that lives inside our complicated reality. I really like alliteration. So here are a few I words to walk us through one process that might be helpful. First, we interrupt our anxious thoughts. This is a choice. And to be effective, it will need to become a daily rhythm. It requires intention and active participation on our part. 
And this can feel like a steep uphill climb in the center of spiraling thoughts. I know that to be true. Then we must identify what is hiding behind our emotions. We can ask ourselves, why am I feeling this way? And then take time to take an inventory. How are my emotions impacting my behaviors and thus affecting my relationships? How are my behaviors impacting my emotions to restart the cycle? Sitting with these questions and feeling what comes up or writing them down in a journal can both activate this helpful process. One thing that I anticipate may come up for you if you're honest with yourself is the idea of looking at what you're consuming. What are you feeding your ears and your eyes and your mind during the day? Are there things you can actively remove from your daily digital diet that will calm the spiral of anxious thoughts, such as the news or scrolling on social media? Next is self-soothing. I'm finding that healthy distraction certainly has its place, especially in the face of deep uncertainty in many areas of our lives. So what is self-soothing really? Think about when we get hurt in some way or when we feel anxious or depressed, we always hope to feel better. We seek feeling better by learning how to make ourselves heal and relieve the anxieties in both immediate and long-term ways. In other words, we self-soothe. Self-soothing is a way in which we treat ourselves to more positive feelings, feelings of betterment, so that we can move forward beyond the negativity or the pain. We actually learn how to self-soothe from the moment we're born, and perhaps that that is what came to mind first for you. Some of our first acknowledgments of our mental feelings and our physical bodies occurs as infants who can learn how to self-soothe through means of thumb-sucking. It's from an early age that we begin to learn and understand that we are capable of playing a role in our healing, which is very important to keep in mind as we grow up and experience more layers of stress and loss and uncertainty. So why do people self-soothe? People may self-soothe due to individual fears, worries, stress, concern, lack of confidence, or anxieties, and we know that people of all different ages, including children, suffer from anxiety. In some cases, a person may learn how to self-soothe after a traumatic event when anxiety becomes an ever-present issue for them. I believe this is true for me. They develop ways to help themselves feel stable during a time of instability and fear. So the good news is that we can learn how to relieve stress and decrease anxiety, especially by learning how to create positive and healthy self-care habits. Strong techniques for coping with stress appeal to all of our senses, our five senses. So I'll give you some of my favorite examples. Let's look at touch. Taking a warm bath with Epsom salt um, or essential oils can help relax muscular soreness and tension. Getting a massage. Um, Let's look at taste. So drinking a cup of hot herbal tea to help relax and practice mindfulness. Um, This actually goes great with the next one, which is smell, which impacts our ability to taste. So I mentioned essential oils with the bath. You can diffuse them, you can wear them. Um, I also really like to bake and baking or cooking with an ingredient that you love the smell of can be an awesome way to do this for smell as well. Sight, watching your favorite movie or your favorite TV show, going for a walk or a drive to have a change of scenery. And something I like to do as well is laying down outside. If you can get on grass, great. Uh, If not, just look up toward the sky. 
And then finally, sound. Listening to your favorite music, paying attention to the sounds around you on a walk or just sitting down near an open window and noticing what you hear. And something I also like to do, use a sound machine or some other form of white noise during rest and sleep. When we pursue ways to alter our senses, we can begin to calm our nervous system and that can help change our mind. Of course, there's an unhealthy way to do this too. When poor habits are used for self-soothing, they can be especially hard to redirect or stop. A couple forms of unhealthy coping might include poor sleep hygiene, like not getting enough sleep consistently or looking at screens before bed every night, and then overdoing just about anything, eating, exercising, drinking, etc. The third thing is growing in self-awareness. So let me ask you this. Do you invest in your relationship with yourself? It may sound like a strange question, but I know that I avoided time alone for many years and refused to sit with the negative feelings and thoughts that ran rapid in my mind and my spirit. I want to talk about the Enneagram. If you're not familiar, it's a personality typology tool that empowers self-awareness, and I always describe this as a compassion tool. Because by better understanding yourself and those you're closest to, if they're open to exploring it as well, you awaken yourself to the patterns that you unconsciously repeat in your life that may feel like they're a part of your fabric or that they're irreversible. But they are choices that we can learn to make differently. I hope to explore this powerful tool more in future episodes, as it's been a wildly important piece of my own healing journey. And I also want to say we're made to do life in community alongside our friends and family. I think that's one reason this season is particularly hard for many of us. So the more we do life with others, the more known we can start to become. And our most intimate relationships can be a catalyst for self-reflection and increased self-awareness too. So with anxious thoughts, it is natural for us to jump ahead, to be planning and preparing mentally long before the event actually occurs. Let me ask you one more question. How often are you somewhere else? We can unknowingly engage so fully in the stress of tomorrow that we have depleted resources to be here in the only moment that we're promised. And when we spread ourselves too thin across places and situations and days, we simply cannot show up as fully in the moment right now. I would argue that our mental health is actually our most consequential area of our health and the one that we often ignore first as women, as mamas. When we do not make our mental health a priority, it costs not only us, but it also affects our closest relationships. And I want to remind you what mental health is and is not. I found a similar list uh, from Dr. Heidi Green. She's a trauma specialist. And so I'll share it with you in my own words. Mental health is not chronic or toxic positivity. It's not having no bad days. It's not perfect relationships. It's not having all the answers. It's not constant confidence or eliminating painful experiences. And it's definitely not the absence of mental health symptoms like anxious thoughts. Mental health is mindfulness, healthy coping skills, consistent self-care, intentional behavior, reframing negative self-talk, self-compassion, healthy boundaries, and feeling and talking about your emotions. I believe that our painful emotions do serve a purpose, and one of them is self-protection. 
Our emotions often lead to behaviors, ones that can direct us to reach out, to seek comfort and connection with safe others, and can often motivate us to engage in the healing work that would allow us to release some of the weight that we carry. Actively working to maintain a healthy balance of sorts between feeling our true feelings and challenging unhelpful thought patterns or negative self-talk can be one of the most healing rhythms we can establish within ourselves and in our relationships. One profound question that you can ask yourself in moments of mounting anxiety is, is this really true? Many of our thoughts are notoriously inaccurate. So in the instance of negative thoughts that are on repeat, the perceived threat or disastrous outcome we imagine can be exaggerated in our minds and begin to steal too much of our energy, our thought life, and our mental capacity. Our mental health can be fortified when we take the lead role in challenging our anxious thoughts, in reaching out to trusted others for support, and in living in integrity between our inner world and the one that we share with others outside of ourselves. To take this a tiny step further, I encourage you to sign up for a three-minute mini meditation I recorded for you today. It is simple and accessible. You can download it to your Google Drive and play it anywhere or anytime a mindful moment might serve you. Maybe you have a meditation or mindfulness practice already, and this will feel familiar. Or maybe you've never meditated before, and this three-minute mini meditation sounds like a digestible place to begin. Either way, I hope you will sign up to get it and give it a try this week. The link will be in the show notes for you, or you can go to tinyurl.com backslash CB three minute mini meditation. So friends, I have another invitation for you to join me in challenging black and white thinking, to pursue healthy ways to self-soothe and to grow in self-awareness. To believe with me that we do have a choice in the midst of thick uncertainty and in unexpectedly challenging circumstances, and that by renewing our mind, we can interrupt negative thought patterns and experience more peace and presence. I encourage you to decide on a single action step you can take today or in the next few days that will take a step toward quieting your anxious thoughts. And please let me know how it goes. You can reach me via email at breathemamacollective at gmail.com or on Instagram or Facebook at breathemamacollective. Bye-bye for now and be well, fam. Hey again, if you love this podcast, please subscribe. You'll get real-time updates when new episodes drop, and I would love to have you along for this ride. Feeling inspired? Share the love, leave a review, send your friend a link to this episode, and please send me a message. Want to hang out with me more? I'm mostly on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time, breathe, mama.